Welcome to the Bungo Pony Podcast with Brian Watson and Jim Griffin. Welcome, ladies, fish, gentlemen. It's the Bungo Pony Podcast with me, Brian Watson. And me, Jim Griffin. Hi, Brian. I know, we, we're, we're back again. Who'd have thunk it? Can't believe it. They keep, they keep wanting more, Brian. I know, on the back of uh, what I would say would be quite a big announcement in the Blue Oyster Cult universe. Yes, and uh, something has rocked the firmament of BOC world. I can't go. I'm in Italy. Yeah, I can't go. I'm working. Why do they always? Or why do why do they always do these things? You know, at times I can't go. It's like midweek in New York in September. Worst possible time for me. If you're not sure what we're talking about, and if you're listening to this podcast, that's highly unlikely, as you're probably a hardcore uh, Blue Oyster Cult fan. At Blue Oyster Cult are doing their fiftieth anniversary, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, fifty years makes me feel old. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. But yeah, they're doing the first three, the black and white albums, one night after another, full album. It's going to be something. Sony Hall, New York City, 21, 22, 23. September, be there. Or oh, don't be there. Um, they've Our... been doing um, a package where you could buy tickets for all three nights and these VIP things. And they've just released, I think today when we're recording this, you can buy individual tickets. Um, with the flights and the hotel, it would have cost more than my first car to go. Yeah. <laughs> An arm and a leg is what it would cost. But I'd still go if I could, Brian. Which would be the three, if you could only go to one night? <clears throat> I was asking somebody this on Facebook. Which would be first, second, third album? Which would you oh, go to? everybody's going to the third one, aren't they? Everybody and the dog See, are going I, to the third one. Yeah. I would go to the second and the third. Yeah. I'd go, I'd go second. I'd go Tyranny Mutation. I'll tell you why, because, I mean, uh, they've done the first album live. So a lot of people have seen that. They did that and they released it. Um, and uh, I was at a gig in Bilston, uh, 2003. And um, Bolo Gregmar um, was there, who's kind of super fan. And he wrote the set list for the band that night. And they played everything from Secret Treaties except KG Gretton's. So I've kind of more or less heard most of the Secret Treaties live in one go. And I'm not flying across the Atlantic just to hear them play KG Gretton's live. But uh, Tyranny Mutation, that'll be the one for me. Here, Dizbusters again. Oh, man, that would be something else. Quicklime Girl. Ah, wings Wedded Down. How are they going to do that live without Joe Bouchard? Well, the Get Joe Bouchard on those shows. It's the elephant the, in, the elephant in the room is that uh, Albert... Is appearing with them. It's announced in on the posters and everything, but nothing as yet as to whether Joe, who's going to be our guest on the next pod. Thank you to the uh, wonderful world of Jim Griffin for sorting that out. Should we ask him? Do you think? What do you reckon? I think we should ask him. I I think he'd he'd welcome. Uh, my understanding from what he said online is he just simply wasn't invited. I mean, how you can play Hot Rails to Hell. Um, wings wetted down, you know, astronomy and, and miss the opportunity, stairway to the stars, and miss the opportunity of having Joe Bouchard on the gig. It defies logic in my book. Oh, do you think the um, sticking point, is it Danny Miranda, bass player, do you think? I don't know. It's always, there seems to have been some uneasiness there that goes back to um, the Agents of Fortune tour, where I think Al Bouchard kind of rejoined them for the first time in a long time and, and I think they approached Joe then and it didn't work out but um, I look we can ask Joe when we we, we have him on the pod next week and um, sure look if he wants to talk about it he can if he doesn't he can tell us to feck off and sure I don't mind no disrespect meant to um, Danny Miranda or Jules on the uh, rhythm section as is now because had it not been for them there probably might not have been a Blue Oyster cult but um yeah, and and they're, and they're brilliant, and I think how good Jules and Denny are is possibly part of that that kind of problem of asking Albert or Joe back. Because how do you displace someone like Jules or Denny who've been in the band, frankly, longer than those guys have, and certainly more recently and and very capably? So um, 
Look, it's a complicated one. You know, you, you, you probably don't need two, two base players. But I would imagine from what I've heard Joe say in the last few years, is Joe would rather come back and play a bit of guitar. I think one of the reasons Joe left BOC was he was kind of bored playing the bass. Um, and he's a very good guitar player. So I'm sure they could find a slot for him. I'm he, sure they could work it out. He can play the trumpet as well. He could play the trumpet. He could play the trumpet. I'm hoping to see him play the trumpet at the Bouchard Brother gigs in August. I think we might get a bit of trumpet out of Joe on those tours. Yes, I'm, as we were talking about off-pod, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get there, so you'll have to... Um, I'll send you Which some light? I'll send you some underwear for the boys to sign. Ah, yeah, well, look, you, you left some here the other night, so I'll, I'll just get them to sign that. <laughs> oh, <I've>, uh, <laughs> that. That stopped you. <laughs> I've... Um, I've trimmed me. Uh, I've trimmed me. Um, ident. You know we had. I got. Um, Gordon. Sorry, you've trimmed. You've trimmed your. I've what? trimmed me ident. Gordon did me some idents, um, oh, but he left a long tail. So I'd press me button, expecting mm-hmm. it to trigger the ident, and there'd be like yeah. a second or two of dead air. Dead air in podcasting. Right up to the. Yeah, you got to get right up to that first wave. Yeah. So that's why I was a couple of minutes over um, in um, kicking off. The, the chat with you, but I think, I, I think I might have done it. Hotter than Jim Griffin's leather shorts. This is the Bungo Pony Podcast. For all your Blue Oyster Cult related needs. And then some. Thank you, Buck. Cheers, Buck. Cost an awful lot of money. To get yeah, fair play. Uh, I can't believe you got booked to do that. Yeah. And, uh, that sounds just like him. It, well, it does, doesn't it? Well, it's, we should tell the ladies and gentlemen what we're going to um, talk at them about um, this mm. this episode, shouldn't we? Really? I think that might be a good idea. Let them in on on the secret. Uh, do we know what we're talking about? We do. We do. I just we've we've got this one super planned out. It's. I have a spreadsheet and everything. <laughs> Post-it All notes. BLC fans have spreadsheets. Post-it notes, you <laughs> name it. But ahead of our uh, chat with uh, Joe Bouchard, uh, next week with, we've had in our to-do pile a, a very fabulous little uh, playlist that you, Jim, put together mm. a while back, um, condensing... Jim's solo out, uh, Joe's solo output into a 40-minute spectacular little podcast for mm. your commute or your jog around the park or whatever. Yeah, this one's, this one, this, I, I, yeah, I was very keen to do this one, Brian. You normally put them together, but yeah, we did this a while ago. Um, we had been talking about it, Imaginos 2, Albert's uh, second Imaginos album, and um at the time, I remember saying, look, I, I just really enjoy Joe's albums. Now, I have to, uh, there's a kind of a, a caveat here, which is we haven't included anything from Joe's brilliant new solo album. If you haven't heard it, get out there and check it out, called American Rocker, uh, released uh, on Friday, June the 3rd. Um, so out there for all to hear. Fantastic album. But we didn't include any tracks from that on this playlist. Um, we well, we made it before the album came out, but... Um, we're kind of saving, discussing that whole new album until we actually talk with the man himself uh, next week. Uh, so it's all his solo albums, and Joe has a very significant solo output, um, uh, as well as, and we had mentioned it, Brian, and you you were pitching a few tracks from his work with the X Brothers, Blue Coop, um, great stuff there. But I, look, I just plumped for his his solo albums, starting with um, Jukebox in My Head, was his first solo album. Um, all the way through to um, uh, Strange Legends, which was last year's really, really top class solo album from Joe. So we, we picked, I think, eight tracks, uh, just nice 40 minute album length, because um, a lot of variety in these albums from Joe, uh, different songwriters, different uh, instrumentation. And I think it, it just highlights the, the versatility of Joe as a musician. And um, I'm glad we did it. He's a talented lad. Um, a a bry fact. Oh. Well, it's not much of a fact, really, because he was born. <laughs> he was born in November, nineteen forty-eight. He's seventy-three. For heaven's sake, I struggle to get out of bed, and I'm fifty-eight or fifty-seven, um, yeah. and I'm yeah. I'm beset by aches and pains and ailments. Um, and this man 
his touring, recording albums that are <laughs> brilliant. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. St- I struggle to make it to the kitchen to put the kettle on. <laughs> Amen. I, 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 I'm with you on, on the struggling. Um, yeah. I mean, Joe is making a solo album a year for the last few years. He's touring um, with a couple of different outfits. Um, he's playing on Albert Bouchard's Reimaginos work. Um, uh, like, yeah, I, I don't know where he gets his energy, but he has bound, and are we glad he has boundless energy? He's making fantastic records. Well, have you looked at his website? There's a, a really good bio on there with lots of yeah. um, potential bry facts. Oh. Um, stuff I never knew about. Um, I mean, to my um, eternal shame, I never followed, I would say, Joe's uh, career as closely as you have. Mm. To, to, to be fair, um, I, I got sidetracked by um, life and work and divorces and things like that. To do us, yeah. But yes, the, 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 the story as to how he actually joined, well, it wasn't Blue Oyster Cult then. Have you seen that story? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read, I read all of that ages ago. Remind me, Brian. Go through it there. I think it's an interesting story. Isn't in it? the in the summer of nineteen seventy, Albert rang Joe. Um, he was in uh, Albert was then in uh, Soft White Underbelly, mm. who were going to be opening for a little known. English pop group called Led Zeppelin on <laughs> on their tour. Um, and they didn't have a bass player. They needed a bass player urgently. So Albert tapped Joe up to do that gig. Uh, that tour fell through. Um, but then uh, Soft White Underbelly became Stork Forest Group, uh, who were ditched by their record label um, not long after committing some tunes to Shellac. Uh, and then they became Blue Oyster Cult, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah, imagine that. God, that would have been a different, uh, an alternate timeline had that uh, had uh, Soft White Underbelly actually gone on the road supporting Led Zeppelin. But um, oh god, yeah, I think that was yeah. You know, that could have been different, couldn't it? Oh heck, there would have been. Yes, it it, it doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, we'd we'd be we'd be having an Andy Winters pod, um, but um, yeah, I think that was around the time Zeppelin just ditched heaven support bands at all and just played for an extra three and a half hours. Um, <clears throat> they just put in a drum solo instead of a support band. I I mean I was a, a nerdy grammar school boy as you probably know, and I never really got Zeppelin. I got them more than I did Deep Purple and White Snake and all that lot who sang about inserting their love torpedoes into <laughs> ladies' vegetable gardens and all that misogynistic bollocks. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? Back, back in the day when you could sing about such things. Yeah, I, I, I like Zeppelin. I, what, I, I always appeal, what always appealed to me about Zepp was the acoustic stuff because I, I used to play a lot of acoustic guitar um, in my younger days. And all Jimmy Page's open tunings and his... Bronny Orr and Bron Rar Stomp and uh, all of Led Zeppelin three. That's really interesting music to me. That the folk open tuning side. Um, that was really what what attracted me to Zeppelin. Uh, agree with you about the rest. Like a bit of Deep Purple from time to time, but yeah, in in small doses. I like physical graffiti a lot. I had that. Yeah. I had that with the slidey out covers oh, and yeah. things and they always everything. had good covers up um physical graffiti let's have three um houses the holy for me because it had really genuinely beautiful songs like the rain song and no quarter really unusual um songs um you know a couple of big riffs too but um, those are the albums for me yeah that the big heavy riff ones look let's have four let's have two they were just so um uh, they were just everywhere. You know, you kind of, you knew them in your bones, kind of. I don't think I've listened to those albums in, in, in years. Well, God, no. Well, Blue Oyster Cult, as we've just said, are doing their 50th anniversary. And apart from a, a, an aborted show at uh, Live Aid, that they refused 
to uh, release the one that Phil Collins uh, drummed on. Oh, the, the Led Zeppelin live, eh? I remember in, watching that. I'm sure you did in as America. Well. I, I can't oh remember. I can't remember it, but it's so bad apparently that they refused to uh, allow that yeah. into the world. Um, I, but I uh, but Blue Oyster Cult didn't do too bad. Sort of uh, Mr. Joe Bouchard, uh, member uh, thereof, sixteen years, fourteen, fourteen records, <laughs> nine gold, two platinum. Yeah. Not not too shabby a career, is it? Not too shabby a career, and and you know most of them still going and and um, you know still rocking. So um, still making albums, you know. I mean that to me is is really uh, really impressive. You know, good quality albums too. Well, yeah. I mean, you more than any anyone else knows how hard it is to make an album. I've I can oh, only yeah. I can only begin to imagine. Uh, I mean, I, I I struggle to mix and master it one-hour podcast it's uh, well you do it beautifully brian that's all i can say with plugins uh, yeah, and all yeah. that malarkey <laughs> yeah it can it can get out of hand it, it's a challenge and to be doing it you know consistently well at a very high level over decades is um, most impressive indeed most impressive so yes mr bouchard slash uh, or comma joe as you've said, mm-hmm. 2009 he did, um, 2012, 14, yeah. 16, 17, 20, uh, and the the latest one, which is a barnstormingly good record, I think. I uh, think um, it's, it's um, American yeah, Rocker. Pro- American Rocker, yeah. The production value on the new album. Um, he has Mickey Curry on drums, which I think is a really great choice for him. Great match for the kind of music Joe's playing as a solo artist. Uh, John Jorgensen doing a guest solo. Um, uh, some really nice, really nice stuff going on in in, in that album. Um, but yeah, yeah, first solo was 2009, Jukebox in My Head. Then a personal favorite, Tales from the Island, one of my favorite uh, non-BOC, BOC-related albums. And then, yeah, you've got a trio then, Power of Music, Play in History, Strange Legends, New Solid Black was a, a kind of short EP that he released. I have a signed copy here, um, but it had, actually now that I look at it, it says eight tracks, so you could hardly call that an EP really, could you? Well, I suppose now yeah. in the uh, in the era of uh, 50, 60-minute long albums, I suppose you could. Uh, the era of the 60-minute long album. Oh. Albums are too long nowadays, Brian. I'm, I'm looking at long. you, Transatlantic. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I was the biggest, and I still am. I love my Prague. I love Transatlantic. Love Neil Morrison, Mike Portnoy, and those boys. But the last Transatlantic album, which I was really looking forward to, the Absolute Universe. I bought it on vinyl, three slabs of. I of did colored. as well. I bought the Super Duper Limited Edition. Yeah, it it uh, came with. It came, with, it came with one of Ronnie Stiltz's toenails. Mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got I got the small toenail. You, I think you got the big one. So you you did better than me there. Uh, got some of Neil Morris's beard hair, and <laughs> a little curl of Pete Trevis's uh, hair. Uh, but um, I don't think I've listened. I don't think I've made it through the whole fucking thing yet. It's just too much, actually, too much. You can have too much of a good thing, Brian. I think it's you better than the much. whirlwind, to be fair. Oh, I like the whirlwind, but I, you see, I saw them play the whirlwind live. I in saw Shepherd's them. Bush. I saw them live yeah. on that tour, and. It- I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the live experience, but the record yeah. is just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's hardcore. Fifty-five yeah. minute, a fifty-five minute long song. It's yeah, hard work. Yeah. I, I'm willing to go with it. For, there are times when I I lob it on and I really enjoy it, but um, I'm not. It wasn't until I saw them do it live that it really clicked with me. But uh, the first two Transatlantic albums—if people don't don't know them—check them out. The first two Transatlantic albums are classic. Um, real old school prog but just you know made in the 2000s with with decent production and mixing and they're beautiful records start to finish if people know how do do we get on to transatlantic if people know (laughs) the first one it was smpte wasn't it i think yeah 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 which a title which dates it a little as well if if people Um, can um, track down the roin stolt mix of that album that's very good i've got that on cd somewhere yeah, we we talked about that. I think a couple of years ago on a kind of just a, a general prog chat we had on on Progzilla, and uh, I remember I had heard about that mix, and I'd never managed to track it down. 
So I remember us chatting and I said, I need to track that down. And actually, it's a beautiful mix. Soft kind of mix. It's it's really good. And Got more guitars in it, is, <laughs> as you might expect. Huh? Got more guitars <laughs> in it, as you might expect. Uh, I think that's why I like it. From yeah. the guitarist, good old Ronnie. We love a bit oh, of Ronnie. Yeah. And don't forget yeah, that, uh, back to Joe, there were three blue coupe, or as we would say in Europe, uh, coupe. Because yeah. there's a yeah. there's an EQ on the end. That's Yeah, when that band started, I didn't get the title of the band at all. Uh, obviously, it's Dennis Dunaway on bass, so it was a play on Alice Cooper and Blue Oyster Cult. But I just pronounced it automatically, Blue Coupe, and I kind of went, hmm, okay, funny name, interesting name for a band. I didn't get it till I heard, I think, Albert say it on some podcast or YouTube, Blue Coupe, and I went, oh, I get it now. I don't think, I don't think our American listeners would um, mind too much when we say that um, a large part of American history has involved bastardizing the French language. And <laughs> <laughs> have at it, <laughs> I say. Do it with gusto. If you're going to do it, do it the whole way. I mean, they call Absolutely. chips. They call chips French fries. For God's sake, what's what's going on there? And they call they call crisps. I think they're called freedom fries now. They call crisps chips. Oh no, we've moved on since um, since <laughs> those days. Time has passed. Um, yeah, I really really like the Blue Coop albums. Um, first one is a particular favorite of mine. Tornado on the tracks. Um, it's a great couple of great tracks on that. You Like Vampires is one of them. Um, and then you've a couple more albums. You've had uh, Million Miles More, nice album as well. And then just recently, actually, well, a couple of years ago, you had Eleven Even. Um, yeah, people should check them out if they haven't heard Blue Coop. So, Power trio. So when you look at the dates of um, Joe's solo stuff and then you intersperse a 2011, <laughs> yeah. a 2013, and a 2019 yeah. in, um, yeah, it's one. It's one a year for a man in his sixties, seventies. It's uh, it, it's an immense workload, um, and the quality it, the quality doesn't suffer. To be fair, I'm not a massive. And, I'm not. Well, I am a massive fan, but I'm not a knowledgeable fan uh, like you are. I don't have any uh, CDs. I did buy. Um, um, which one was it? Um, Power of Music on uh, iTunes back in the day. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And we I have, have um, we have played your choice. We have played your selection uh, back <laughs> on the American Prog Show many years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I really like the power of music. That and Jukebox in my head were released on vinyl, and I'm really hoping for a vinyl uh, version of American Rocker. I think Deco, who are releasing Joe and Albert stuff now, they do vinyl. I love a copy of American Rocker on vinyl. I think that would be a really classic. Classic record to have on vinyl, yeah. So there's um, a, a Best of Joe B, it's called, uh, playlist on Spotify. That's right. Yeah. 38 Best minutes. 38 minutes. So you can listen in the car, on the way to work, on the bus, on yeah. the way to collect your employment bene- unemployment benefit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and listen to it one more time on the way back. In the park, I don't know, feeding the ducks or, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> hiding <laughs> hiding in bushes. You're painting with words again, Brian. It's beautiful. Hiding in bushes. Hiding in <laughs> bushes. <laughs> Joe Bouchard track. After having been chased by a swan. <laughs> I, I do I, think... There are so many mental <laughs> pictures going around in my head now. I'm finding it hard to, hard to comprehend. I mean, we will talk about each track individually, but I do think the first... Four tracks are, are autobiographical around your, I presume, uh, mental breakdown that you had. Because um, we start off with a song about alcoholism. Um, yeah. And then um, forgetting about love. And That's then right. love you, your self yeah. image is so low that you consider yourself a freak. And then you're yeah. walking with the devil. So you are, a, yeah. if you were yeah. in America, I'd be making sure you couldn't buy an automatic rifle. <laughs> yeah, sure. Over here, you can just buy me a pint. <laughs> we'll talk it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Over here, is, over here is... you get a chair leg or a pickaxe handle. <laughs> yeah, to the back of the head to sort you out. Um, but this is why I love Joe's solo stuff, because um, I was actually chatting to a mate of mine over the weekend who's coming to the Bouchard Brother gigs with me. In, you have other friends? Night. You mean you, ha- you have other friends? Who are they? 
Do I know them? <laughs> I swear I do. Um, it's Mike. Mike Quilligan. Hi, Mike. If you're listening. Hello, this Mike. Is a test. This is a test for Mikey to see is he listening. Uh, we were chatting at the weekend. Has he bought us a coffee on Ko-Fi yet, though? Yeah, that's the question. Uh, yeah, to make with the coffee, Quilligan. We will, post, <laughs> we, we will post the link in the show notes. Uh, I like cappuccino, and uh, and Jim likes a nice um, frappuccino oh, nice. with uh, half a frothy fat, cappuccino, half fat decaf. That's right, with almond, an obscene, an obscene shape of, of 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 chocolate shavings on the top, preferably. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but this is what we were talking about. He was asking me because he was saying, "Oh, we're, you know, we must get back into listening to Joe Solo stuff with the new album and the tour coming up." And I was saying, actually, when you dig into a Joe Solo's album, solo albums, the the breadth of lyrical content, you know, because we always think of BOC for their lyrics a lot of the time, and you go, yeah, but they had, you know, the five guys in the band all writing lyrics. Then they had Sandy Parliman, and they had Meltzer, and they had. But you go to Joe Bouchard's solo material, and like you said it there, you're covering a range of 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 material, topics, styles. And Joe uses a couple of outside writers. And what I really love about Joe's solo stuff, and his new album has a track as well, he goes back into his kind of archives of lyrical material. So he has stuff written by Helen Wheels from the past or from Meltzer in the past, and he reworks them into new songs. And that's very special because that's a direct link back to back to BOC for me. It's kind of, these would be on BOC albums if Joe was still in the band. I mean, I love, I love Joe Bouchard's voice. Um, but it's interesting that you've chosen to open up with a song where he disguises it through some electronic jiggery pokery. Yeah, I just love this track. So um, uh, this this is the first track on the playlist. Is I just when I heard this song, I nearly fell off my chair. I thought it was the best BOC related track I'd heard since probably something on Fire of Unknown Origin. So the track is called Heart of Wine. So it's a co-write between Joe and an old Richard Meltzer lyric that I believe he had lying around and, and he found and, and reconstituted. Classic Meltzer kind of, you know, stream of consciousness type lyric. Um, just got a punch. The chords in this track, I mean, it's, it's like a Sex Pistols track or something. You know, he's, he's channeling Steve Jones here. Um, I think it's just fantastic. Great little guitar solo as well. And, and you know, it's three minute you know, a rock song. Um, if, if people haven't heard Heart of Wine, they need to check this song out. It's it's a belter. Joe plays guitar and, and bass on these records, does he? I believe he plays guitar and bass on, on, on most of them. Plus, and, and, you know, he does, he plays acoustic, he plays 12 string, he plays slide guitar. Uh, he plays a lot of keyboards on them as well. Um, he doesn't use a large number of outside players. Um, he's used, I think, Albert uh, and Mickey Curry on the recent album on drums, all right. Um, but I think he's handling a lot of the rest himself. Um, he has Joan Levy Hepburn helping him out on, on some vocals, I think, and, and other guitar. But yeah, he's a multi-instrumentalist. But Joe has written, you know, music books. You know, when he left BOC, he became a, a kind of music professor. So, you know, he, he knows his onions, this fella. Oh, he got a master's degree, didn't he? Yes. He's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's no slouch. Um, he started off playing trumpet, and he played trumpet on um, at Reimaginos on Black Telescope, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And and I had known he was a trumpet player because um, um, Albert Bouchard's band, The Brain Surgeons, had done way back when they were, had recorded the Imaginos Overture then appeared on Reimaginos on, on the um, on the vinyl edition. Um, and uh, Joe played trumpet on that. And I remember this from way, way back. So I, I knew, but that's where he started, started as a trumpet player and, uh, and a very fine one too. Very good. Great opening song. Um, might not, if you've not heard much of Joe's stuff before, um, you'll find lots to, uh, you'll find lots to like. <laughs> You really will. Every album has, has a nice bit of variety, but there's a couple of belters on all the albums, and I've kind of picked cherry picked some of the belters and then some of the the really um, fine um, uh, kind of I don't know if you call them ballads. That's not quite right, but um, it's a great mix of stuff. 
Um, yeah, look, we'll share out the playlist to the good people out there in Podland, and I really recommend they have a listen. Um, I enjoy putting it together. I have to say, revisiting those albums. I've listened to it quite a few times, um, and it's uh, it's a belter, ladies and gentlemen. You, the, the next one you've picked is only from a couple of years ago, so it was uh, in the height of the pandemic. Yeah, this is a great track. This is um, this first. Uh, this threw me for a loop when I heard it. it so it was on uh, Joe's second to last album, Strange Legends, and the track is "Forget About Love." Um, which is written by his now sadly departed mate, John uh, Edward Cook, who um, wrote a lot of songs. I think he was a songwriter that Joe knew. I think he was a neighbor. And, and Joe then kind of started recording these songs on his solo albums and pretty high quality. I, I would imagine Joe puts a lot of effort into the arrangement and, 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 and kind of production of these tracks. Um, but this first appeared on, um, on, on that EP, New Solid Black, um, so I'd heard it before and I went, I know this song. And then I thought, is it a cover? And then I went, no, no, he just recorded it previously. But this is a re-recorded version. Um, and it's a great track. Again, it's a better. You know, what I like about Joe's music, and it's what I liked about his music in BOC, and he has this in common with his brother Albert, is they don't overcomplicate the basic structure of the song. You know, they write very high quality songs so they're not overcomplicating it they're picking out chord structures that work they're putting a nice melody over that that doesn't exactly follow the, the structure of the chords and that to me is that's the basis of everything you need for for a good tune uh he did it for boc for for a long time and now he does it on his solo albums and forget about love is a really good um usually the john edward cook tracks on his solo albums are kind of more mellow more acoustic but this is one that he's put a very heavy treatment on, and um, it's really catchy. If you listen to this one, you'll be you'll be humming this one afterwards. I, I promise you that. As as you will all of them, I think it's a very uh, melodic yeah. uh, thirty eight minutes that you've chosen for us. Now the um, the next one up is from the only album that I have, even though it's only uh, an iTunes uh, copy that I got. <laughs> For back in the day when I was doing the American Prog Show um, entirely through iTunes, but now I've got mixers and DACs and all sorts of stuff. But um, Travelling Freak Show is the Travelling Freak Show is the next one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this is from Joe's first solo album, um, uh, Jukebox in My Head, came out two thousand and nine. Uh, I had a hard time choosing here because that album kicks off with. Um, two really uh, uh, kicking tunes. There's Shadows on the Streets of New York, which starts off with a really heavy, kind of fuzzed up bass line, which I love. Um, talks back, you know, it goes back to Joe's kind of five, piece in the five guitars with BOC. But I ended up plumping for Travelling Freak Show because it's just such a damn good riff. Um, it's really 70s riff. Um, and this is the kind of stuff Joe, you know, I, I think would have been pitching to BOC um uh, you know back in the 80s or whatever uh, it's just such a heavy riff we were talking about zeppelin earlier this this could be on a zepp record for me um and it just and it i love the way the song develops and um really you're, you you know this one gets your head nodding no mistake about it and um i remember listening to this album when it came out i got it on vinyl actually just signed it for me and, and sent it across to me and um i just thought my God, this is this is the best thing ever. And there's some amazing tracks. We have a, one more track from this album on the playlist as well. Um, tells you how good it is. Um, but that's a really heavy track, Travelling Freak Show. I think it's about, you know, being on tour and being a bit, uh, <clears throat> a bit wild. Um, really, really good stuff. Checking my iTunes, I've bought Jukebox in my head and The Power of Music. So... Yeah, there you go. Good track. Yeah, good albums, both. Both. In fact, the next track on the playlist is from the Power of Music. Walk with the Devil. Yeah. Love this song. I think. Love do we need? Do we need song. to do a jingle? Yeah, it's it's jingle time. We probably need to do a jingle, don't we? You're listening to the Blue Oyster Cult Fan Pod, the Bungo Pony Podcast. Cast, 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 cast. Nice bit of echo there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That Walk cool. with the devil. Tell me about that one, Jim. 
So this is from The Power of Music, and I have here on my desk now that, you know, you'll just have to picture this listening to the pod. I have th- a, a set of 3D glasses that came with The Power of Music um, album, and I still have them. And uh, okay, I think it was with the CD, or the album had a kind of a 3D kind of cover. You put them on, Joe is there in, in, in three dimensions. It's as if he's sitting beside you on the couch. But anyway, I digress. Walk with the Devil. Again, it's kind of, to me, was a natural song to follow on from Traveling Freak Show. It's in the same vein. Really heavy. Um, Really nice guitar work on these albums, Brian. You know, I I believe Joe kind of of left BOC, you know, in the 80s because he was just, amongst other things, I think fed up of being limited to the bass. Uh, As we've said, you know, he's he's a true multi-instrumentalist. So um, <clears throat> I think, you know, these albums really show him stretching his muscles as a as a guitarist, as a lead guitarist, um, playing some some really heavy, heavy riffs, playing some really nice guitar solos. Um, but this is I defy anyone to tell me this this uh, doesn't stand up there with any recent rock music being made. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic uh, fantastic track. It's a longish track. It's 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 about seven minutes long, but it, it it doesn't feel that long, and it's not you know kind of multi-part or anything. It just rocks along. It's really cool. It must be really difficult to be in um, a band and be a frustrated guitarist when the band's guitarist is Donald Rosa, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know you've got. I mean, and in fairness to BOC, they did the five guitars bit for for all the seventies, so everybody got their their licks in. I mean, you look at that. Look at BOC for a minute. You have Albert Bouchard, who's a very very good guitar player and writes a hell of a tune. You have Lanier, who's a hell of a lead player. I mean, in his day, God rest him, Alan Lanier, fantastic lead guitar player, could have been the lead lead guitarist in any other band. When and he was Bloom, when he was sober, he was fantastic. When I, I remember yeah, the gigs yeah, I went to. Yeah, God bless him. Yeah, it was a hit, hit and miss there for a while. But look, that was Alan Lanier. That's why we loved him. You know, you never knew what you were going to get. And by all accounts, Bloom is a fine guitar player as well. But um, uh, I don't think there's much evidence of that at the moment. He just need to be. With, I, I mean, like, and now you have Richie Castellano in the band, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's tough to be a guitar player when, when Don Roser is, um, is playing beside you, yeah. So, yes, um, next one, Winter. Yeah, I love this track. Strange Leggings. Yeah, Strange Leggings. Yeah. (laughs) Strange Leggings. I have to say, um, this track in particular, um, Joe Bouchard track, um, closes out the Strange Legends album. Um, I think Joe's solo albums get better and better. Um, and they started off pretty good with jukebox in my head, but by the time we came to Strange Legends, I really thought he'd reached a peak. Um, closing out that album with this track, it's a phenomenal uh, piece of music. It does what we've mentioned many times in the pod, Brian. Um, it, it achieves what the best BOC uh, records achieved, a, a perfect match of lyrical content, production, instrumentation, playing you know, all coming together to produce the same vibe. Uh, and this track, for me, you know, it's very telling. Um, the winter of our lives. You and I, Brian, we're not getting any younger. You know, it, there's a message that's, in there. That's from, very true. <laughs> from a guy. But you know what? I, I think it shows the maturity of the man. You know, as you say, you know, he's not David Coverdale at 60-odd still singing about you-know-what, you know. Here's a, a man who's matured with age. He's singing mature content into really, really well-crafted songs. That's what I love. That's why, you know, people often say, oh, why do you still follow those those bands from the 70s, those bands from the 80s? Well, it's because the really good ones have grown over time. They've matured over time. They've, they, yeah, they've changed what they do a little. Um, or they've added, you know, depth to, to uh, what they used to do. And I think that track in particular, Winter, I would if you had if you had if you said James you can only pick one Joe Bouchard track to talk to the people about or get them to listen to it would be Winter. Um, I think it's a phenomenal, um, phenomenal song. And I thought right, well that's he's going out on a high there. And then sure, two years later we have American Rocker, and it's probably an even better album than Strange Legends. 
It is. I mean, we're going to be talking uh, extensively about American Rocker with Joe Bouchard, who's going to be on our podcast (laughs) next week. (laughs) uh, Still can't believe he's um, going to be coming in my ears. Indeed. Um, yeah, uh, uh, me too. Um, it, it's, uh, I'm really excited about it. And, um, you know, we asked in our last pod if people had any questions they wanted us to, to ask the, the great man. And, and people have. I know people have messaged you, Brian, and, and, and a few have messaged me. And we're definitely going to, you know, make a list of those questions and ask them. So if anybody, there's still time. Uh, we're not interviewing Joe for a week or so. So um, if people have anything they want to ask about the old days or about the new album, uh, about the tour, um, fire them in. We're pretty bold. We'll ask, we'll ask just about anything. Um, anything and everything. But, uh, yeah, we will. You know what we're like. Um, we'll, we'll give it a whirl. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk to Joe. I, I had a, a wonderful conversation with them many years ago when the ex-brothers were touring Ireland and a, a gang of us BOC fans kind of toured along with them. And by the time he hit Galway, he we were on kind of first name basis. <laughs> So they came out before the show, right? They were they were supporting Diamond Head, and uh, should have been the other way around, in my view. Um, and they came out before the show. Uh, this is uh, uh, Andy Hilfiger, Jimmy Kakala, and uh, Joe Bouchard himself. And they came out and they talked uh, for a couple of hours with us, had a few drinks, did the show, asked us what we'd like to play. Uh, made a mind, Paul Gittens asked for Nosferatu. Joe played it on the night; they hadn't even prepped it. And then afterwards, they came back, stayed drinking with us for the night. Um, but Joe told a lot of stories, a lot of great tales about the old days, and uh, found him very generous with his time. So I'm hoping we'll uh, we'll get some good stories next week. Oh, I can't wait! And I, as I say, I'm I'm, I'm going to move heaven and earth to at least get to one uh, show in the in the school summer holidays. Yeah, look, it's it's always tough to find time, you know, life gets busy and, and at the end of the day, you know, gigs, whilst they're important, you know, they're not all important, but, um, well, look, I'm getting to two of them, Brian, so I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the lowdown if you don't make them, don't you worry, and you can send me some stuff and I'll make sure Joe and Al sign them for you. You can always, um, you can do a little bit of interviewing on your phone, can't you? Uh, look, sure, anything's possible. Anything's possible. I'm sure a few pints might be found somewhere. You know, you could you could get him to do a, an ident for the pod. Oh no, we might ask him to oh. do that. We might ask him to do that next week. He might do that. That's a really good idea. Um, you see, you have the good ideas, Brian. It's not your first rodeo, man. I'm full of them. Well, if I say to you, uh, I was seeing um, a a band called Blurred Vision in York a few years ago, and. Uh, their first album was produced by a man called Terry Brown, who um, oh. Rush fans <laughs> might uh, might know. And I, I was outside having a cig, and uh, Terry Brown was was there. Um, so I just collared him, and so I've got this is Terry Brown, and you're listening to the American Prog Show on Progzilla Radio with Brian Watson. Oh, I, I get the hairs on the back of my neck stand up every time I hear that. Oh, you're going to have to root that out and play it for me. That's um, that's pretty special. Well, Even you've just given away producer. the fact that you never listened to the American Prog Show <laughs> on Progzilla. <laughs> so if you did that, if you if you went to progzilla.com and yeah. and checked out the American Prog page, there's loads of podcasts and stuff. All oh, right. Yeah, anyway. Those little ponies need feeding. Feed the pony. Feed the pony. Feed the pony. Feed the pony. Speaking of recording... Speaking of recording people outside, I don't know what happened there, Jim. Did you get that? That was, I got that. Yeah, that I thought you were going. For, I, I thought you were going for the 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 Queen vocal layering <laughs> choir. I might, I might Bismillah, keep. No, I, I, I might, I might keep that in. It was fabulous. That we was will not let cool, you go. Uh, let him go. Yeah. No. no, I'm not gonna. Right, Thomas Baker couldn't couldn't get a better. Uh, I, I, I genuinely don't know what happened there, but I was going to tell you a quick story, seeing as you were telling us about recording Terry Brown. Blue Oyster Cult played one and one show only ever um, in their history so far in Dublin, in Ireland, and this was in Dublin. It was the Agents of Fortune show that Al Bouchard was was uh, was a guest on. 
but they had announced it. It was kind of a warm-up show for a really big version of the show in London the next night. And so two of my mates, the aforementioned Mike and um, Seamus, who is well-known in the BOC fraternity um, and and well-liked, had booked to go to London for the London show without knowing there would be a Dublin show. And I had held off um, just by luck. And they were in London the night that BOC were playing in Dublin. So they missed the only oh, Irish gig ever. Oh, so my after, Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I slag them about that all the time. But it gets better after the gig, which was fantastic. I mean, Albert Bouchard playing with Blue Oyster Cult, doing the whole Agents of Fortune album in Dublin. Unbelievable. The whole video of that is up on YouTube, actually, if you go searching for it. After the show, Buck comes out signing stuff. Got a photo with Al Bouchard that night. Buck was signing stuff. And he was there with his wife, his lovely wife, Sandy, uh, who I'd met once before, so I recognized her. So I, uh, we were just outside on, 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 on the footpath. And I said, Sandy, if I ring my mate over in London, will you go on the phone <laughs> and tell him that he's after missing the greatest Blue Oyster Cult concert that she's ever witnessed? And she did. So we rang my buddy, Mike, and he picked up. And I put Sandy Rosa on the call. And she said, oh, Mike, you've missed the greatest show. The guy said, I've never seen Buck play better. Yes. You, you, can't, you can't get friends like that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and fish. With friends like those, who needs enemies? Huh? I know. I know. That's, that's, that's quite shocking. Quite, um, that was pretty good. I'm but t- you know what? Fair play to her. She did it. Good, good for a laugh, Sandy. Yeah, she she takes some good photographs of her husband as well. Oh yeah, yeah, she does actually. Yeah, if you want some good shots of Buck, she 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 really does. Well, I guess she gets she gets the uh, the access, you know. Oh, she's gonna have a good spot, isn't she? Yeah, and, and yeah. she'll have. Well, she'll if Sandy have, can't get a good spot. Nobody can. She'll have a decent camera. <laughs> true, that's true too. Shall we go back to our playlist, Brian? Is it Diamonds in Blue next? Diamonds in Blue. I, I uh, so Joe had a solo album there uh, called Playing History, which it's an interesting album. It, it kind of, you know, it stands apart in his solo albums. It, it's a bit different. Um, kind of got different kind of songs on it. Some kind of slightly proggier stuff. Uh, it's not my really like, but I struggled to find a track from it for this playlist. So I went for Diamonds in Blue because I actually. I really like Joe's um, ballad writing ability. I think that's a fair way of describing it. He writes a good slow tune, um, Light Years of Love being, you know, one of the more obvious examples for BOC, a track I do like. Wings Wetted Down, you know, from Tyranny. He writes at Nosferatu. He writes at a quite a slow tempo very well. And there's a lot of upbeat stuff on this playlist. So I wanted to pick out some stuff in a, in a slightly lower tempo. And Diamonds and Blue has, and you mentioned it earlier, Brian, it's got a beautiful melody. You know, Joe and Al, I mean, they're, it's, cho- it's choral in, in its melody lines. And uh, I just really like it. There's nothing complicated going on. It's just a really pleasant, um, enjoyable tune. Um, that really, you know, there's something about it that reminds me of Joe's particular contribution um, on on the classic BOC records. Um, and there's an early feel to this. If you listen to Diamonds in Blue, you know, there's a tinge of wings wetted down there. There's, you know, a tinge of astronomy just in the way it's. You can say, yeah, this is a track by the same guy. You know, the way it's the way it's handled, very nicely, um, uh, very nicely uh, produced. So nice track that, just a little bit different, but it leads into the next track on the on the list quite well, I think. I am a big uh, wings wetted down fan, um, but yes, oh, Dart yeah. Boat, Dart Boat is the um, is oh. the track that we've played on the American Prog Show, as introduced um, by Terry Brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're never going to let that one go. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get that tattooed on my chest. I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Darpo, what a great track. track. This is a track again by John Elwood Cook. Um, and um, this is a long eight minute track, but it can take it. It's it. This is um, again, there's something of the of of the um, the devotional in, in the way Joe delivers this track. 
Um, it's, it's a really beautiful song, and he plays a 12-string uh, acoustic, uh, which is not an easy thing to play, or, or play well, <laughs> at least. Um, and he does it all the way through this track. There's actually, uh, I found on YouTube, Joe uploaded it there last, last year, maybe, an even longer kind of edit of this that goes over the 10-minute mark, and it doesn't doubt say it's welcome even at 10 minutes. It's a really, really uh, high-quality um track and and totally different vibe but again it is it's that same darkness that same as you say with joe's voice it's a great gravelly uh element to joe's voice that that's very you know characterful and it's used to great effect on on this and the last track in particular um that i think it's it, it evokes the same emotions as you know astronomy Light Years of Love, Shadow of California, some of those really great Joe tunes from from the good old days. Oh yes, I was just I was just humming it in my head. Mm. Uh, I had a I had a I had a really interesting um, anecdote to tell you, and it's just completely slipped my mind. If we talk long enough, it'll come back to you. <laughs> it'll come, it'll come back. But uh, oh yes, uh, that's that's what it was. Um, you were talking about long songs. I've just recorded yeah. um, uh, an edition of Not the American Prog Show on progzilla.com, which is the companion uh, show, a weekly show to the monthly American Prog Show, and that's got four songs on it, and it's two hours long. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and one of them isn't The Whirlwind by Transatlantic. Yeah, that'd be cheating. Yeah, God, that is, you've got some long. What have you got on there? You've got a few yes tracks, have you? Tales well, four songs like, from, from memory. There's uh, a band called I Am the Manic Whale, who are fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. they're uh, really good. I know if you them, like, yeah. if you like your your Spock's beard type upbeat, yeah. um, prog with really clever lyrics. Um, there's uh, Mogwai, the uh, Scottish oh, yeah. noise. At merchants and um, I am at my father, my king, mm. which I had on a, a twelve-inch single back in the day on vinyl. Again, left yeah. in the attic in Wakefield. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, left in that attic. Um, a band called Soup, which is like a a, a psyche Pink Floydy melange, touching half an hour. Um, and finishing up, uh, who do I finish up with? Um, oh yes, magma. You have to do the uh, you have to do the air quotes. Yeah. Magma, magma, <laughs> and uh, mechanic mechanic destructive commando. Yeah, I like a bit of magma. I have to say, I do enjoy them. 19, if you're in the right mood, magma you have to be really in the right. You have to be in the right mood. A 1976 live version from Reem. That's in France for our American listeners. Wow, very nice. Very cool, Brian. Nice choices there. I don't know that soup band, but the rest are top-notch. I think, I think from memory, they, they're European. Can't remember where from, though. Magma, yeah. I always I used to get them mixed up with can. So uh, I kind of, yeah, off the top of my head, Magma. Well, Magma, all Magma songs, all Magma songs are in their imaginary made-up language of Kobayan. <laughs> Which, um, you're you're way too into your magma. <laughs> I'm not that much into them, to be fair, but um, it'll get the um, uh, Daily Mail readers hot under the collar. I can tell you that. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, look, um, yeah, yeah, interesting band, magma. But anyway, back to Joe Bouchard playlist. We've only one track left to discuss. We're finishing up. We've nearly we've been talking bobbins for nearly an hour. On a oh my goodness! On, oh a, my on goodness. a playlist that's less than forty minutes. What's going on? <laughs> I know they could have listened to the thing twice while we were fucking <laughs> around. Well, they, look, it's nice. They're gonna have to get back know. on the bus. <laughs> they're gonna have to turn around and go back to where they came from. Well, isn't it a testament to uh, to Joe and and Boc in general? Any I and this is you know I think this is why we do this podcast, Brian, is because. They're so all-encompassing in in their styles, their variety of music, their variety of writers and lyricists. That any conversation about BOC or the guys 
always morphs into other things, you know, because there's it's such a rich um, a kind of history of music with these guys. Um, and in a way, you know, I often say it when 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 the Bouchard brothers split away in the 80s. Yeah, maybe we missed out on one more classic BOC album, but we got a lot more for our money, in, in my view. You know, yeah, BOC kept touring uh, in, in their own way. Albert went on brain surgeons and solo stuff. Joe did all the stuff we've been talking about today. You know, any conversation about BOC, I've always found, uh, you know, it 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 spins out into an array uh, an array of of topics, which it's why I love these guys. You know, if if you were sitting here talking about more standard bands, I don't think that would happen. You know, you talk about the eight tracks, that'd be it. But um, that's never the case with, oh. with not with us anyway. Bro. Or how t- how tight the trousers were. <laughs> Very tight would usually be the answer for a lot of those bands. You yeah. should have seen the cover they wanted to do. It wasn't a glove. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm flashing back to our previous pod. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so we finished. So the last track. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So we finish. I, I love this track. I really, really yeah. enjoyed uh, listening to the entire uh, playlist, but I did enjoy this one. Um, take it away, Jim. Yeah, this is, this is possibly after winter, uh, my favorite Joe B uh, track up to the new album, uh, Perpetrator. Um, often overlooked um, from, again, Tales from the Island, which is just a personal favourite of mine. Very, very hard-hitting album, you know. Just, just gets you right right between the eyes. Perpetrator's great. And uh, this this song in particular has a special place in my heart, Brian, because as you know, and a few few people might know, Joe did, um, um, did a kind of a voiceover for a track of mine on my last album. And it was actually this track, Perpetrator, that made me think of asking him. He kind of has this gravelly, talky, you know, voice uh, on Perpetrator. And I remember uh, I wanted to do an album, a bit of an homage to Imaginos, with a few talking bits over it. And I said, that's the voice. I wonder, Joe Bouchard, do it for do it, do the voice over for me. And I messaged him and um, it was during COVID. So I caught him at a good time and he did it. Boom, sent it back to me. Just perfect. But this is the track that made me think. I was listening to it one day and I went, that's the voice. That's the voice for the for the speech uh, in, in my track, uh, Thought Experiment. And um, I love this song so much. It's got all the atmosphere you expect in a Joe, Joe Bouchard track. And um, it's a good way to finish the playlist, I think, because it makes you kind of, there's a, it's a bit eerie. You know, it's it's got that menace that you associate with the BOC guys, and it's just a nice kind of a little twist in the tail of the playlist. And I really hope people enjoy enjoy listening to these tracks. Um, I think there's quality there that, you know, I, I Joe gets a lot of love, but is he getting the recognition he deserves for these solo works? I don't think he is. So I'd love if people got the word out about these albums. I think they're really superb. Marvellous. FYI, the... Um joe bouchard playlist i um put together uh, does have thought experiment my jim griffin uh, featuring joe bouchard from the album the signal uh, um, so i'll uh, good days I'll, yeah. uh, I'll link that in the show notes as well so you can listen to what i came yeah. up with we're not going to talk about it because we've been talking for an hour um, <laughs> i know it is a good playlist brian you sent it through and, and thank you for including my track it was very kind of you but um, I liked your playlist a lot. I had to yeah. put Fallen Angel in. Uh, yeah, you put in some of the BOC stuff. You put just in some one. of the X Brothers stuff. Just yeah. one. Yeah, um, just that one. Yeah, just that one. But, some some X Brothers yeah. stuff. No one could fault you for including that stuff. But I did put the bonus. Um, so, yeah. I did put the bonus track um, from New Solid Black called Oh Jim, which was like yeah. a precursor to you working with him. And, yeah, oh, Jim, that's right. Yeah, he wrote that with Helen Wheels. That, that that was one of those ones that was always floating around in the ether. People, you know, people would talk about it. So it was good to hear that one. And a track called "The Pub That Never Closes" as well from um, uh, Yeah New Solid I, Black. I think, so what's not to like? That's a great. I love that track. I, I'm convinced his his tour around Ireland might have uh, 
might have inspired that, although I'm sure he was in a few of those himself during the 70s, you know. They don't call them pubs, though. They call them bars, so I'm sure... They do. I think it's an Irish thing. It'll be an homage to you and your pals, Will, that one. (laughs) We did. We did stay a long time in the pub, (laughs) as far as I can remember. There you go. You have been the um, impetus for a Joe Bouchard song, Jim. <laughs> I, 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 it's a fancy I take, but I, I, I leave leave me with my fancy. But we can ask him. We can ask him next week when he's talking to us on our podcast. We can't. We've broken the hour. Uh, it's time to wrap up. Um, thank you for listening to our little um, podcast about Blue Oyster Cult and all things related thereto. For. <laughs> As yeah, Jim, yeah, I was going for enigmatic, yeah. As Jim says, the next time you hear us, we'll be talking uh, to uh, Joe Bouchard, who we've been talking about in this one. So until then, um, stay lucky, and uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for buying us lattes and cappuccinos and whatnot on our Ko-Fi link, <laughs> which we'll post in the show notes. Ta-ta! Slán. You're listening to the Blue Oyster Cult Fan Pod, the Bungo Pony Podcast. The Bungo Pony Podcast has left the building. Join us next time for more jolly badinage.